Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It's so good to have you here with us today. Hope you're doing well. Hope life is treating you good. I'm excited that you're here because today, my friends, not only do we have a great episode and a great guest, but we have the very first in the history of the show, we have the very first repeat guest. We have not done this in 80-some episodes, and today is a doozy. I'm excited to share with you a good friend of mine, Dr. Bishop Jeff Goins. I don't know that he's neither a doctor nor a bishop, but nonetheless, he's back with us. If you don't know who Jeff is, he's a prolific author, writer, blogger, uh, just an all-around good dude. He was with us in episode 25 of the podcast. You might want to go check that out, download that so you can get some context. But here's why I wanted to have Jeff on the show. He's got a new book coming out called The Art of Work, and I was able to get a little preview copy of it, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. Uh, And one of the things that Jeff and I talk about in in the beginning here is I didn't, you know, I'm not interested in just having authors on just because they've got a new book out just so that they can plug it for people to buy it or anything. But this is a book that really, really fits well with the show and fits really well with this with this audience. So it's really, it's all about how do we find work that we love. And so that's why I'm so excited to share this book and this story of Jeff with you guys today. Today, we will talk a lot about how you discover your identity. We talk about the hidden danger and following a, a plan to talk about plans versus paths. I loved that conversation that Jeff and I had. We also talk about how do you get unstuck right now and how do you change your mindset. We talk about how discovering your calling is a bit more of an art than a science. And and really just the overall conversation, I think if, if you're someone who's going... Grant, I don't really hate my job. I don't really love my job, but I'm not really sure what I'd rather be doing. This is the episode for you, my friend. I think this is really going to help you, and you're definitely going to want to check out the book. What's cool about what Jeff's doing and about this new book, The Art of Work, is he's actually giving away the book for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping, which is a steal, my friends. So we talked a little bit about it in the interview itself, but if you are interested in just like, all right, I like Jeff. I need to know more. I need this book. So you can go to Art of Work workbook.com slash grant. So again, that's artofworkbook.com slash grant. There you can get the book for free. Again, all you have to do is pay for uh, shipping. And again, Jeff and I, we talk a little bit more about that. But if you're interested, that's where you're going to want to go. Again, artofworkbook.com dot com slash grant. Also, as always, we do this download of the, the bonus material. So if you enjoy the interview that I have with Jeff and you want to hear a few more minutes of what Jeff and I talk about, you're not going to want to miss the bonus material. So basically, you can download that completely for free. Simplest thing to do is if you're listening from your phone or a mobile device at the top of the show notes within the app or where you're listening uh, is a link to download that bonus material. You can get it right to your phone. Don't have to do it from your computer or anything. You can do it, just do it right there. Super simple to use. And that way you can hear a few more minutes of my conversation with Jeff. So Let's get into it, my friends. Here is my conversation chit-chat about the Art of Work book with my friend Jeff Goins. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my friend Jeff Goins, who is the very first repeat guest on the podcast. So, Jeff, first of all, welcome. And second of all, how do you feel that being the first repeat guest on this podcast is going to change your life. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I feel great about it. Thank you for having me, Grant. Always good to be here. I love what you're doing with the show. I think it's you know creative and original, and it's a real pleasure to listen to. I feel like I just won the lottery. So thank you for your generosity and having me back on. And 
I do. I think your show is a gift and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. That's a good summary of where your life is right now. So uh, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna pull all of that out. Now, for someone that may not be familiar with you, we had you on an episode 25. So people, you want to go back and listen to that, you certainly can. Uh, GrantBaldwin.com slash Jeff Goins. Or you can find that on within iTunes or wherever you may be listening to this. But for someone who hasn't listened to that, first of all, you got to go back and listen to it. It's really good stuff. But give us an overview of who you are and what you do. Sure. So... I'm a writer. I've uh, written four books now. The fourth is, you know, coming out in a few weeks. And I've always wanted to write. And a few years ago, finally gave myself permission to do that. Had a conversation with a friend where I told him my dream was to be a writer. He said, you are a writer. You just need to write. And that was a the initial shift for me to start thinking of myself as a writer and, you know, to start acting like it. And I I think we shared in that interview, I talk about how activity follows identity, that before you can go do something. And sometimes you have to change your mindset. You have to become someone. And for the past few years, I've been a writer who helps other writers and creative entrepreneurs online uh, get the attention they deserve. And I do that through, certainly through books, but also through online courses and my blog, goingswriter.com. And your transition into wanting to become a writer and then actually really doing it on a full-time scale was very, very quick. I mean, relative to a lot of people who it may take several years to transition out of what they're currently doing into being a full-time writer. But if I remember right, it took you about a year, maybe a little less than a year to be able to quit your job and be able to do writing full-time. Is that right? Yeah, it's interesting because it just kind of depends when you start counting. Right, I remember right. reading this uh, ebook by Chris Gillibo once called 279 Days to Overnight Success. You know, kind of a tongue in cheek. Takes basically a year to have what people call an overnight success. And yeah, I mean, I spent seven years uh, working at a job, kind of preparing and practicing for what I'm doing now. And then I spent another year building an online audience. And that happened a lot more quickly than I thought it would. I ended up getting a book contract within eight months. And then, you know, a year and a half after that, I quit my job. So I would say, you know, kind of the ramp up to exit, you know, took about two years. And then there was, you know, seven years of backstory before that. But, you know, what I tell people is whether it takes long or a short amount of time, what I believe is that if you do the work, you're going to see the results. You're going to reap what you sow at some point. And I was surprised that it happened more quickly than I thought. But I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about actually getting down to work, not dreaming about it or thinking about it or planning for it, but just starting to move in the direction of, you know, what you want your life to look like without realizing exactly, you know, every specific step that you need to take. Just start moving. You might be surprised at how much more quickly things come together than you would expect. Yeah. And maybe this is just a prelude to my own life as you were influential in us getting ready to move to Nashville. And so if the whole thing falls apart, then I, I know who to blame. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. That's, the reason I wanted to have you back on the show is you have a new book coming out called The Art of Work, which is the topic itself. You know, I, from the beginning, I'll just be honest with you and the audience says, I want to have people to share their stories, but I didn't want to ever do a podcast to well, let's have such and such on because they have yeah. a new book and right, right. they've got to make the rounds and here's someone who has their new course or their new product. I just, there's plenty of other guys who, people who want to do that. And that's fine. Yeah. But this fits so extremely well with what it is that the show is about and the people that are listening to the show that I, I, I knew once we first started talking, I was like, man, you got to come back on because I think this is going to be just a really, really great fit. We've heard your story. We've heard a lot of, about your journey, but now this book, Art of Work, is really 
It's all about this whole subject and topic of helping people discover what it is that they were meant to do. So give us an overview of what The Art of Work is all about. The Art of Work is, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that. And I know that you really value you know, your audience's time and really respect that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a listener of the show because I know that you're you know, respecting me as a listener. So I will try to make this worthwhile. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) The Art of Work is a book for anybody who is trying to make sense of their life. You know, anybody who feels like there's something more to life and in some ways you feel like you're missing out. Like if you have that nagging feeling as I did a few years ago, I had a pretty good job. I didn't hate it. I wasn't trying to, you know, get out of, you know, being stuck in a cubicle. I had a lot of free time. I had a great boss. But I just felt like I wasn't living up to my potential. And this book tries to scratch that itch, not just by, you know, me telling you how I did it. You know, I think it's important to listen to somebody who's gone through, you know, the process, you know, a trusted guide, if you will. But I didn't want to be, you know, like you're talking about, Grant. I didn't just want to be another guy saying, hey, go do these eight things and you'll be great. I did them, therefore it'll work for you. Because I don't think that's always true. So when I wrote this book, I went out and interviewed a bunch of people, read a bunch of biographies, and found the common thread in all of these stories of not just success but significance, people who had left their mark on the world, people that we would look at and undeniably say, yeah, like they figured it out. Mother Teresa, she figured it out. Walt Disney, like he left a mark. So what do they all have in common? And the Art of Work explores that path, not a plan, not do this, 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 and this, but rather the path that, you know, in some ways we all feel like we're on, but helping you navigate that journey a little bit more intentionally. Go into that a little more. Tell me about how do you view the difference between a path versus a plan? Well, I think a plan is didactic. It's, you know, do this, do this, do this in this order and you will get these results. It's a recipe, right? And if you sort of, you know, diverge too much from the recipe, you're not going to have a cake. You're going to have a, you know, a, a puddle of slop or something. Right. I'm using the recipe analogy because I cook a lot of food in our home and I hate recipes. I'm like, oh, I'll just figure it out. I'll just, you know, put, throw these things together and it usually uh, works out. But if you think of a path, so a plan is like a, you know, hey, here are the plan for how to build this house or, you know, how to do X, Y, or Z. First of all, a plan to quote someone else, um, guy from uh, 37 Signals. What is his name? Jason Freed. Uh, Yeah, Jason Fried, he says this in his book, Rework. He says, plans are guesses. And I think that's true. I think that most plans don't actually end up coming to fruition. You know, they kind of get you walking down the road a little bit, and then you have to iterate and, you know, pivot as you go. But a path is practical. It's something that you and I can walk on together. I can see that people have walked on this before. You know, there's footprints. There's, you know, if we're in the forest somewhere and we're following, you know, a trail, you can see where people have walked before and there's a certain amount of authority that a path has. Like all these people have done this before and you can fall in their footsteps. And yet a path as opposed to a plan is generous in the sense that, you know, you can bring people along on the journey. You can kind of like veer off the path and come back on. You can go from, you know, one side of the path to another and still kind of be going on your way. And it's not a destination, right? It, it gets you to your destination, but it is, um, it's just something that you can walk with a community following in other people's footsteps and know that you're eventually going to get to where you want to be. And I think a calling, which is a word that I use to talk about your vocation a lot in the book, is you know the, the book, The Art of Work, is a lot like helping you find that path. There's not this idea that once you get there, you've arrived and you can just, you know, retire. Rather, it's just, you know, you're kind of wandering through the woods. And once you find the path, you know with confidence that if I fall in the footsteps of other people, I'm going to gain momentum and ultimately end up 
you know, where I want to be. And all along the journey, I'm going to learn important things. Let's go back to this cooking analogy because I think that works really well. Of What you're just describing here of just following the path sounds much more difficult than just following a plan. Because with the plan, again, going to cooking, the plan is I just follow step one, step two, step three, and I'm always going to arrive at step four. But whenever I'm following a path, it's just kind of, it's more of a process of self-discovery. And that sounds really, really difficult, you know, and it sounds, it's like I'd rather someone just tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life than me try to figure it out. So why is it that so many of us have just such a difficult time figuring out why isn't there a way that we can just have that plan and someone can just tell us what we're supposed to do? Why is this so tough? Well, I would love it if it worked this way. Like if a plan sure. actually worked, I would just give you the plan and you would do it and everybody would succeed. I wrote this book because I wanted a book about understanding your life and your work that wasn't so streamlined because it didn't seem realistic to me. My life often feels chaotic. It feels like I'm trying to make sense of things that don't seem fair, tragedies, injustices, missed opportunities, my own personal failure and shame. Like I'm trying to make sense of all this. And, uh, you know, so, so when somebody stands on a stage or, you know, gives me a book and says, here are the seven principles that are going to, you know, make life easy for you, I don't believe it, you yeah. know? And then I try it and it doesn't work, uh, you know, and I kind of fall off course. I have a friend who is a big nutrition and fitness advocate. And I'm always asking him, like, give me the plan. Tell me what not to eat and what to eat. And he goes, Jeff, like, there's no plan, man. Like, if there's a plan, it's more about adding healthy things to your life than it is about removing unhealthy things. But I say, hey, can I eat this? Can I eat that? Can I eat carbs? Can I eat fruit? Can I drink coffee? Like, what can I do? And he basically says, yeah, within reason, you can eat just about anything in moderation. Now, he's not saying you can do whatever you want because, I mean, he's, you know, in the best shape. He's the most in-shape person I know. And... He says, look, the plan, if you do all these things and then you fall off course, you're going to just reject it, right? You're going to go eat a you know, box of Girl Scout cookies or something and say, screw it. <laughs> and I think that's the danger of following a plan, making health or fitness or you know, finding a meaningful career more of a lifestyle thing where you're starting to adopt new habits and think differently about your life, which is kind of the process I describe in The Art of Work. It's a much more generous, realistic way to help you get to where you want to be. So it sounds like what you're teaching is a lot more than just if I'm in a spot where I'm listening to the show and I don't love my job, but I don't hate my job and I'm not really sure what I'd rather be doing. I mean, we're not talking about just go finding a different job and we're talking about something much deeper than this about really figuring out what you were put on this planet to do. Is that fair? Yeah. You know, going back to the cooking analogy, I read a book recently called Heat, which is about Mario Batali and his whole process of becoming a world-renowned chef and mm -hmm. the author of the book is this sort of he likes cooking like I like cooking maybe like you like cooking where it's just like it's a fun side hobby but you're not a chef right yeah and this author thinks he's kind of hot stuff he thinks he's a pretty good cook and then he apprentices under Mario in, in his kitchen he learns all of these nuances about cooking that it's not just like none of them are really following a recipe like there, there is a recipe like you have to use these different things but he learns that like you can tell the heat of of something by the smell of the oil and you know and then if you just go up a notch here you know it's going to it's not just going to burn the food it's not going to have the right taste but if you're notched down it's not going to be you know quite as crispy and and really you know lock in all of that flavor and he talks about cooking as an art you know not as a science you know not just follow these five steps and you'll get your output and i think 
the difference between the process that I described in the art of work and then just following like a career plan is sort of the difference between a microwave dinner, which is mm-hmm. edible. You know, you follow these steps, you stick it in there. There's it's kind of foolproof, and a gourmet meal. And, you know, and, and I would say that that's a life of significance, of meaning, where you're contributing something meaningful to the world that's personally satisfying and is making people's lives better, including your own. Yeah, I like that. We'll just stick with the cooking analogy for a second. We're gonna, <laughs> that's going to be the thread throughout. I think the last thread was decaf, which I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so right. based on it's Jeff's deep. reaction alone, you got to go back and listen to episode 25 where we talk about decaf. It'll make a lot more sense there. But uh, let's come back to this cooking thing because even like you take some major chef and like you're saying, they're not going off of a one, two, three recipe. Some of it's just going off of principles. And like right. you were saying, I know that if I – if it smells this way or if it looks this way or if it feels this way that I can assume this about it. And so what are, for someone who may be just feeling stuck in life, what are some of those principles that we can begin paying attention to within our own lives to kind of help figure out what knobs to turn or what levers to pull to get the outcome we want to have in in our careers and in life? Well, one principle is the theme that I started to see in other people's lives and, and in my own life when they came to this point where they realized that they were missing out on something, that there was something more to life, there was this theme of awareness. And I think the principle is counterintuitive. Most people who arrive at some level of success will tell you, how did you know you wanted to be a firefighter or a chef or whatever? And they'll say, I just knew. And I think they're not telling the truth. I think <laughs> most people don't just know what they're supposed to do with their lives. Most of us feel confused, at least about something at some point, And, you know, we're flailing around, especially at the beginning, especially at those critical moments of transition uh, or, you know, decision moments in life where you're trying to figure out what should I do? Should I go to college or should I go to trade school? You know, once I graduate from college, should I just take any job or should I go do the thing that I absolutely love? We don't know. And if a prerequisite to success is you just have to know that most people have already disqualified themselves from ever succeeding at their lives. And I don't, I don't mean making a million dollars. I mean doing something that you feel like you were born to do. So I think that awareness is something that comes with practice. And the way that you practice awareness is by doing what Frederick Buechner calls listening to your life, which is just a very simple practice of looking at the themes and threads in your past to give you an idea of you know, kind of the way you're wired. And I don't think that your past dictates your future, but it does inform it. And listening to your life is a practical way that you can start to understand what are the things that maybe I'm naturally gifted at or that I just have an affinity for, a passion for, that I could be more intentional about, you know, in this next season of life and this transition, even in, you know, trying to get more meaning out of my current career. One of the things I've found is that it's more than just kind of like chewing on it or thinking about it. Like, it's more than just taking an hour on a Sunday afternoon and being like, oh, well, you know, what is my life telling me? You know, but it seems like there's some real intentional work that has to take place and really some digging that has to happen. So how do you actually do this? How do you determine what some of those themes are in your life beyond just, you know, reading this book and going, well, okay, I, I can recognize some of those. But like, how do you start to bring some of those things to the surface? I think one of the best things that you can do is ask other people who know you as well as you know yourself and sometimes better. Like my wife is one of those people. For years she was telling me to write a book before I ever even started calling myself a writer. And then I mentioned, you know, beginning of the show how I had a friend ask me what my dream was. I said it was to be a writer and he said, you are a writer. And that statement, 
I mean, that was powerful for me. You're a writer. You just need to go write. That changed the way I thought about myself and then incidentally changed you know, the way I started to act. And so sometimes the communities that we're in, the friends and family that we spend our time with, sometimes we're the last people to realize something about ourselves that's obvious to everyone else. So emailing some friends, reaching out to a mentor or a parent, somebody who knows you and you trust, just ask them to describe you. Like, what do you think about when you think about me? What am I good at that, you know, like, you know, I'm the blank guy or the blank girl that you could, you know, if you have a question about whatever, you know, whatever this blank is that I could answer it for you. I'm always asking my friends and sometimes, you know, on my blog, I'll ask my readers this, like, what am I doing for you? Because sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like trying <laughs> stuff and then you get that feedback and you go, oh yeah, that resonates. I, I think that's true. I, I should be more intentional about that. Well, I think the key point there that it needs to resonate with you. I mean, just because yeah, someone or a right. group of people point out something sure. and if you're immediately going like, eh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I could do that, but I don't know that that's, I want to be that guy or that girl yep. or be in that right. space or be in that, have that kind of business or career or whatever. So how do you kind of run that through your own frame of reference or your own filters on when you're hearing some feedback from other people to know whether or not it resonates? There's a great exercise, and I don't know who first came up with this. I've seen Michael Hyatt talk about this. I've seen Scott Belsky from 99U talk about it. They have different names for it, but I've not found a better way of processing that question than this. First of all, Frederick Beekner says that your vocation lies in the intersection between your deepest joy and the world's deepest need. And so this exercise that I'm talking about is basically draw three circles, you know, three intersecting circles where you know, sort of, I guess that's a Venn diagram where there's one spot where all three intersect. Right. And the first circle, you're going to ask yourself the question, what do people want? You know, so we were just talking about this. What do people want or need or expect from me? The second circle is what do I love to do? You know, what's my passion? You know, and write some ideas down there. It could be more than one thing. should be. And then the last question is what am I good at? Like, it's just easy for me. I just kill it. And I think that you know, you could have something that you're good at that you don't love doing, you know, and that kind of feels like a day job, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, drudge work. You can have something that people expect from you that you're not that good at and that creates anxiety, right? It's like a really terrible job or burden or responsibility. Or, you know, maybe you like doing it and maybe you're good at it, but nobody really wants it. There's not a need for it in the world. It's, you know, that's just a hobby. But when you find the intersection of all three of those things, that's a real sweet spot. You know, yeah. and, and it's it's sort of, you know, going off of this Beekner thing. You're not just looking for what people want or expect from you, and you're not just looking for what you're good at or what you love doing, but where all three of those areas intersect, you've got a pretty good thing going on there. You've got a business if you want to monetize it, and, and you've got something that you can sustainably do that is going to be challenging, exciting, and going to add value to people's lives. How do you know when you've found that spot or when you think you're at least on the right track? Because there's a lot of people I talk to, a lot of people that reach out or email me and say, hey, Grant, I'm having trouble figuring out what I want to do with life. And one of the questions I always ask people is that if you could do anything and assuming time, money, location were all irrelevant, assuming you were guaranteed success, what would you want to do? And usually people will say like three or four very, very unrelated things. Wow. And so it's very difficult to figure out how do I hone in on the one thing that I want to do? You know, I'm 
drawn toward doing something with e-commerce, but I'm also into comedy sketch writing, and I also like gardening. Yeah. And it's like right. they're all very, very unrelated. And there's certain things where you can kind of pick maybe one or two of them and have some overlap there and kind of combine them. But then there's other things that are just very, very distinct and different. So how do you know like which path you should take when you have multiple like realistic, decent options? This is another area, Grant, where I think traditional advice has steered people in the wrong direction. We've told people that you just have to do one thing. And I don't think that's true. In the book, I explore this concept called the portfolio life, which is a term that I borrow from a British business author, a guy named Charles Handy, who wrote a book called The Age of Unreason in 1989. And in this book, he uses the term portfolio to describe a career. And he says, in the future, organizations will be smaller and most individuals will have portfolio careers. They will be what he calls portfolio people. They'll not just have one gig, like one full-time you know, 40-year career and then retire and live off of their pension. They'll have a bunch of mini careers and at certain points in their lives, they may have, you know, multiple streams of income basically, you know, doing a freelance thing. And uh, what's interesting is we just uh, saw a study recently that came out that Forbes published that they were one of the media outlets that published it where they said that by the year 2030, over half of the workforce, 50 to 60 percent of the workforce will be freelance. So in other words, Charles Handy's prediction that we're all going to be portfolio people or the majority of us will be in the future, that's true. And what he says is this is actually the more natural way to orient your life, to not have one gig but to have a bunch of different things that work together to not only make a living but make a meaningful life. And I think the pressure is you think, well, all of these things have to pay the bills, right, or all of these things have to be successful. And Handy says that's not true. He says there's five different types of work that make up your portfolio and only two of them are going to pay you. And he calls those fee work and salary work. Those are the ones that you get paid. Mm -hmm. Then there's gift work, you know, if you're going to like volunteer, you know, for a homeless shelter or meet with somebody for coffee and give them, you know, free business advice. That's a form of work, but it's, you know, generous. You're not going to necessarily, you know, make money off of that exchange. There's study work, like, you know, I'm going to read a bunch of books before I write a book. I'll get paid when people, you know, buy the book, but, you know, the study that goes into it, I'm, I'm not getting paid to do that, but it's necessary work to, you know, create the thing that I'm going to create and get paid for it. And then lastly, there's homework. Not, you know, like 12th grade English, <laughs> but work that you do around the home, mowing the lawn, spending time with your family. That's a form of work too. Maybe we don't think of it like that. We think of it as, you know, free time or play or whatever. But he says if you're going to have a fulfilling, meaningful life, really, you're going to have to have a portfolio full of those five different types of work. And so what do you do if you have more than one thing? Well, understand where it sits. You know, in the intersection of those three things. And if it's right in the middle of all three things, then it might be part of your paid work, you know, fee or salary work. You know, salary work is you, you just get paid to, you know, a certain amount of money per year or week or whatever to sh show up and hopefully, you know, do a job. Fee work is obviously, you know, I do this, you pay me for, you know, per hour. But one or two things that pays the bills and then also find, you know, these different forms of work to create, you know, fulfilling portfolio. And I think you can keep moving things around. You can keep moving things into, you know, the paid work part of the portfolio, you know, as they progress. It's not a, a set thing. But I, I like this idea of thinking, you know, what we do not as one thing, but really as a collection of things. Yeah. Thank you for giving us permission on something like that. Because I know for me, whenever I first got started as an entrepreneur, I know I just put enormous pressure on myself feeling like I need to know what is the one thing I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, right. you know, my, my yeah. mom, uh, she's worked at the same 
hospital her entire career, literally uh-huh. her entire career. Now, she's done a couple different things within the, the hospital. It's a major hospital, but the one employer her entire life. And so I felt like I don't know that I want to be at one place forever, yeah, right, you know, and right. who you are as a person is always evolving and changing. And so mm-hmm. even I look at it as whenever I got started as an entrepreneur, I was newly married and didn't have any kids. And now today we have three kids. And so where you're at in life and just stages and all these different things are just always evolving and changing. So some of it is just allowing yourself to take some pressure off of feeling like I need to know today what the next 50 years of my life look like. You don't because you don't you have no idea how that's all going to unfold and play out. So it helps a lot just to know that my life isn't one single career as much as it's a, it's a portfolio and it's a, a variety of different things. Yeah. You asked earlier about principles and I talked about you know, this discipline of awareness, again, you don't just know, you know, don't wait for some great epiphany, start moving in a direction. I've heard you talk before, Grant, about clarity. And I believe that clarity comes with action. You know, there's this great story about a, uh, a guy going to see Mother Teresa and asking her to pray for him. You know, Mother Teresa, this world famous humanitarian and, you know, missionary and nun. And he says, Mother Teresa, I don't know what to do with my life. Please, you know, pray that I would have clarity. And she says, no, I'm not going to do that. And he goes, why not? You're Mother Teresa. You know, like if you've, you know, like Mother, you've got Mother everything Teresa's figured a out. jerk. <laughs> yeah, right. You've got it all figured out, you know, like you've got clarity. So pray that I would have clarity. And she says, oh, no, I've never had clarity. I've only ever had trust. And I, I think a lot of us are waiting for Clarity. We're waiting for somebody to just tell us, you know, here's what you need to do. Here's the plan. And life does not work that way. I wish it did. But at the same time, if it did, it would be kind of boring. There wouldn't be that magic of, you know, discovery, you know, that we're discovering things as we, you know, walk down that path uh, together. And I I don't think that means that we try too many different things. You know, I think a portfolio is a few things. It's not a hundred things. You know, you do have to narrow it down to a few areas of things that you're good at that you know there's a demand for and and that you know you love doing but no you don't necessarily have to pick one and just because you pick one right now doesn't mean that you're locked into doing that for the rest of your life either i think that finding a calling is really just a process of discovering a path and then understanding okay like i'm following the footsteps of people who have gone before me i don't know everything that's going to come but i can trust the process yeah Good stuff. Hey, I do want to ask you a couple of other questions. One being, all right, we've talked a lot about this, but now what? Like, what do we do as a result of this? So if I'm listening to this and I'm going, I I don't know what I'd rather be doing and I'd like to discover at least maybe what my next steps would be. What are those next things that we need to do? But I'm going to, we'll just tease that, let you ponder that and chew on that. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about that a little more in the the bonus hour, not bonus hour, but a bonus few minutes there. So let's wrap up with this though. For people that are like, okay, I'm in, I need to get the book. Do you have any special deal on the book that we can get? <laughs> we do. Oh, what are the odds? What a surprise. So we're doing something that I think is really exciting with the book, and I you know, talked my publisher into letting me do this. This, to me, feels like the most important thing I've written. I've written four books. This is the fourth. And it's important to me because it's a process that I've gone through. It's an important process. Everybody is trying to figure out what are they supposed to do with their lives, What's the point of my life and, you know, is there any meaning or significance to it? And, you know, is it possible that I could do what I love and, you know, get paid for it? 
And the book explores that. And so, you know, my goal is between now and when the book launches to get as many copies of the book out to people. And so we're doing a special pre-order that if you pre-order the book now, and I think, Grant, you have a special link for, you know, your listeners for that. But if you go to the book site and you pre-order the book now, you're going to get an advanced copy of the digital book. So you can start reading it before it comes out on March 24th. And if you order between now and then, you're going to get that. You're going to get a free four-part video course where we talk about some important mindset shifts that you have to go through so that you can actually live this life of significance and find meaningful work. It's not just something that happens to you. You have to be really intentional about the process and really have the right mindset. And the best part is you're going to get a paperback copy of the book for free. When it comes out, if you pre-order it, you're going to get it for free. All I ask is that you pay a flat rate shipping and handling fee of $6.99. So you're going to get all that. I think there's a few more bonuses, a workbook that we're including in there, $250 worth of bonuses if you order between now and you know through March 23rd. Like I said, all that goes away on March 24th when the book comes out. But the goal here is just to get the book into people's hands, get people talking about it, and hopefully get some of the, these ideas to spread. Okay, let me make sure I understand this correct. So all I have to do is pay $6.99 for shipping, but I'm going to get like a paperback physical copy for free and a digital copy for free, plus the other $250 worth of bonuses that you've got. Am I understanding right. that right? That's right. You're just a good guy. <laughs> My goodness. Very well. cool. If you're interested in that, you're like, okay, tell me more. I got to get this. You need to go to artofworkbook.com. Dot com artofworkbook.com slash grant. That's my just my first name, artofworkbook.com slash grant. We will put that in the show notes as well. But that is the link where you can get all the physical copy of the book whenever it comes out. Uh, so we don't get the physical book until it comes out on March 24th, right? But we right. get the, yeah. we get the digital on- one now. Yeah, and depending on where you are, you know, and, and how the, you know, mail service works where you are, you know, I'd ask that you, you know, be patient with that. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as the book comes out, we'll mail you a copy. And uh, in the meantime, you can you know read the digital copy and check out all those bonuses. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, that's uh, artofworkbook.com slash grant. Make sure you stop by and check that out. So, uh, Jeff, really appreciate the time, man. We're going to be coming back on for just a couple more minutes with a couple more bonus questions. And make sure you stick around for that. Cool, thanks. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeff Goins of GoinsWriter.com and author of the book, The Art of Work. Again, if you are interested in getting your free copy of the book, you can go to artofworkbook.com slash grant. Again, that's artofworkbook.com slash grant. Make sure you stop by, check that out. Also, make sure that you download the bonus material for this episode. So Jeff and I, we talk a little bit about how you understand what your life is teaching you. We talk about why writing things down is so important. And we just have a great conversation for a few more minute. So definitely would encourage you to stop by, check that out. Again, you can download that bonus material just within your phone right there within the show notes. Click the link at the top of the page to download the bonus material. So, all right, cool. Hey, as always, feel free to email me, grantogrambalden.com. Hit me up on Twitter if you'd like anything that I can do for you as you're trying to figure out what it is that you want to do with your life. Maybe you're just, maybe you're on your way to work right now. Maybe you're on your way home from work. Maybe you're at the gym. Maybe you're cooking dinner. Maybe you're walking the dog and you just feel stuck. Not only would I encourage you to continue listening to this podcast. I hope it's encouraging and inspiring to you, but I want you to take action. That's one thing that Jeff and I, we talked a lot about, and I hope the one of your first steps may be to check out his book, because I know it is high-quality stuff that can help you out. So you are awesome, my friends. We'll be coming at you again in another couple days with a new, fresh episode of How Did You Get Into That? Talk to you soon. 
Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.